0: Well, I hope you had a great Christmas. Welcome back. Midweek Bible study once again, Romans chapter 14. We're about to start one of the most important passages that we are going to look at together in the book of Romans, and that's saying something. But the reason I stress Romans chapter 14, verse 1, through chapter 15, verse 7, as one of the most important parts of Romans is because you don't hear it taught. You hear romans 5 you hear romans 1 you hear a lot of romans 8 and even romans 12 and those that want to use as we talked about last week um, the bible to justify certain forms of authoritarian rule over people and the actions of those authorities they'll run to romans 13 but if churches actually obeyed romans 14 through 15 if individuals actually obeyed this. Many churches would have to take the sign off their church that denominates them. They, they would get kicked out of their association or their denomination because they would have to lay aside rules that they have allowed to become God's rules. But they're not God's rules. They're traditions of man. <clears throat> Sorry, <clears throat> was doing so well all right, let's just prove it by looking at the scripture. First line, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. How many churches require that you get in line? You must believe these things. If you do not believe these things, then know Jesus for you. Paul says, no, you accept the one whose faith is weak, and you do not quarrel about disputable matters. I gave a speech years ago to a church, and afterwards this lady came up to me and red-faced and angry. And she was going on about something. And when she finally took a breath, I said, Scripture says not to quarrel over disputable matters. And she said, This is not disputable. And I looked at her and I said, Sister, we are disputing it, which would make it disputable. She was not happy with the impromptu grammar lesson. Um, I find that sadly, as a general condition of humanity, we are just not to argue about it. I hear many things and I see many things in social media. And a um, blog post and podcast about God, about church, about Christians that I don't agree with. but I don't tell anybody because I'm not God, and my job is to accept people. And I'm not here to dispute that thing. In fact, that's something which I, I truly this mystifies me. If somebody puts something up on Twitter or Facebook with which I disagree, I feel zero compulsion to write on their page, well, this is not, at all. Or I'm so disappointed in you, no. Or you got your facts wrong about this, no. If somebody posts something which I know is a bogus story, you know, something you can check on Snopes or Truth or Fiction or one of these other, and you've checked and found that way, this never happened. Then I will send them a private message with a link to the information and just say, you might wanna have a look at this, but whatever you choose, that's fine. I don't understand the compulsive drive to correct other people. And there's the, the very famous Simpsons, uh, little clip, little gif that's been, or gif that's been gone around for years, where uh, Homer says he's he's so upset because somebody on the internet is wrong. Yeah. But they're also wrong in pulpits they're wrong in the lyrics of songs that we sing uh they're wrong you are free from the need to correct them because god says don't do it accept the one whose faith is weak and by the way i've had people say well who gets to decide who is weak well that would be god so always assume that the pos- that it's possible you're the weak one here all right and so just accept and then one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, only eats vegetables. Vegetarians, were not coming for you. Um, I was a vegetarian for a long time. I didn't do it because I was opposed to eating meat. I did it because I needed a spiritual discipline to change me from an angry, sarcastic, hard person into um, a person that was less so. I'm not going to say into this wonderful cherub like creature you see before you, uh, trust me, it was worse. I had to break that part of me. It's almost like a generational curse. so for um there was a period of ten years, and then there was another period of I think three to five years. I was vegetarian um It wasn't for health reasons. It wasn't for political reasons. It wasn't that I didn't think hamburgers were tasty. It was because I needed to teach myself something. So we're not talking about vegetarians here. What are we talking about? This is so hard um, because in our culture, it's not a thing. In Paul's culture, several things about eating were a thing. One, a lot of Jews still wanted to eat kosher. Nothing wrong with that at all. Others, uh, well, let's stick with them. Some of them who were now believers in Christ were offended by what the Gentiles were eating because it wasn't kosher. It wasn't killed humanely. It wasn't, they were just not happy with this. Also, there were some people that were going to the temple to buy used animals. I'll explain. At the temples, you would have sacrifices of animals. And sometimes a lot of them. And then you would, the, the priest or priestesses there, uh, we don't usually use a feminine term anymore, uh, brought this over and would sell it at a discount for the people that couldn't go out and just buy a cow, let's say, and slaughter it and eat it. They could then go here and they could get this because it was already sacrificed. Um, it's cut price. I uh, I grew up loving the day-old and week-old bread factories, because you go in there and those shops you could you could actually afford the the bread and such. To this day, something a little bit stale tastes fantastic to me. When my wife won't eat it, I know it's mine, all mine. I get excited. But this also that bothered people because well, you're eating food that was sacrificed to idols. That means that you are connected somehow to this temple, and they had all of these long arguments. And Paul is. Entering into this, there's another, and that is whenever you ate something, you kind of declared who you were. And if you ate it with somebody else, you declared your fellowship with that person. These rules were very strictly held to. And and in fact, in many Middle Eastern tribes to this very day, to eat with someone is to forever be bound to that person. Uh, You are who you eat with. I know that if you go to China, they will have foods in the markets that I would not eat, but they eat. And I know that there's food that I eat that maybe perhaps you would shudder at. Yeah, I enjoy haggis. I think it's brilliant. Oh, I know what's in it, but I still think it's great. I have people eat bologna. And so I always say, let's not get the nose too up high up in the air there uh, or sausages of the like. Eating then was much more difficult than this, this this little disagreement you and I might have about what's a proper meal. So he's saying uh, the one whose faith is weak is eating only vegetables. That's because they don't understand that God will let them eat anything they want to eat. So it's not the vegetables that makes them weak. And vegetarianism is not a sign that you don't have faith. Or being a vegan is not a sign that you don't have faith. Back in back in this situation, it was they were vegetarian because they believed that God didn't want them to eat meat. And so their faith was not as informed as it could have been. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament. And they only had the traveling apostles and a few other preachers. And so just un- uninformed. But you don't have to inform them. That's the whole thing. You can not say, no, 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 we can eat this now. Come on, come on. No? Accept them. You don't have to correct them. Accept them. Then, uh, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. The very person you've got a problem with, God has accepted them. Your move. I guess I better accept them too. If God puts his arms around somebody and goes, I accept you, looks over and says, Patrick, what do you think of them? What am I going to do? To say, you know, God, I think you missed a few things about their character I'd like to inform you about. Let me type this out on Facebook. No, don't. don't. That's not safe. God has accepted them. And verse four should be stamped. In everybody's Bible and on the dashboard of their car and if necessary backwards on their foreheads that we looked in the mirror they'd see it who are you to judge another man's servant it goes further to their own masters servants stand or fall listen to this and they will stand for God will make them stand again I may not be a universalist, but I'm very close because it just seems no matter how many times you read this, no, God will make them stand. God has accepted them. God's salvation is for all. The grace of God has appeared into all. It just keeps coming. Paul's saying, the very person that you're looking at and saying, I disapprove of what they're doing. I disapprove of their choices. I disapprove of their identity. I disapprove of whatever who are you who are you to judge another man's servant which by the way and this is the toughest part of all it really is for me at least who are you to judge somebody who stands in judgment on you there's there are some communities out there that do not like christians very much and some of them have some reason, they've been mistreated or excluded or preached against to the light. And when I find, they find out that I have nothing against them, that I accept them as God's servants and God will take care of that, that's not enough for them. And they want me to say and embrace the things they say and embrace. And I'm going, no, no. This acceptance thing works two ways. But even if you refuse to accept me, I'll still accept you because that's my job. God said so. And that doesn't make me feel superior to you because the fact is God will make us stand. And that's, that's, that's wonderful news. So one person considers, Oh, we just had a holiday. When I grew up, we never had Christmas or Easter. My dad would to be preaching against Christmas in July. Uh, he actually left one congregation that was a loving, great church. We were so happy he moved to that church. Um, and he left it because they wouldn't quit doing clothing drives and uh, Christmas things at Christmas time. And one time I had massive surgery in through here. They had to go in, pulled my face off. And I'm thinking exactly what you're thinking. That is, Why'd they put this one back on? But anyway, they did. It happened twice. Um, it's one of the reasons I do this. I got stretch marks right there. Uh, they cut around in your mouth. And, you know, so they did massive surgery. Um, and afterwards, my head was a cartoon hit. My dad and mom came to see me. Only stayed about three minutes because they saw that Cammy had a, um, a, a little statue of Santa Claus on a shelf. He stood up and he said, well, I'm gonna leave. Anybody that puts up a statue to a Catholic priest, I don't, you know, and he stomped out. If we got a present or a card, we had to return it unopened. And man, I missed that. I wanted to be a part of it. I I, every now and then snuck and saw the Andy Williams Christmas show or something like this and going, wow. Well, we just had Christmas. And some people believe it's their duty not to have it. I understand that. These Days being talked about here are holy days for the Jews but also holy days for the Empire. So what does he say? One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. In their own mind. We're never given leave here to be fully convinced In their mind, can fully convince them now. Go for it. No, never. Never given permission here to correct them as if they're the one to be corrected, not us. In fact, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone if we live for the if we live we live for the lord and if we die we die for the lord so whether we live or die we belong to the lord for this very reason christ died and returned to life so that he might be the lord of both the dead and the living he's not done you get it you take care of your stuff i'll take care of my stuff you make your decisions i'll make my decisions if your decisions hurt me such as you become a drunk driver and you're weaving around the neighborhood then we have to default back to Romans 13 and get the civil authorities in because you're endangering the community. If, however, uh, you're celebrating Kwanzaa, and I think, well, that's just a made-up holiday. What holiday isn't except for those directly given by Almighty God? So, okay, how can I help you? If you celebrate Christmas, which I do now with gusto, um, cool how can i help you if you don't all right fair enough you don't need help not celebrating so okay if you uh, and by the way people that say well christ wasn't born in december you know yeah pretty much everybody knows that they knew it back then too they just chose a date that was already being celebrated and gave it over from the gods the false gods to the one true god so yeah it used to belong to false gods but it's ours now so there you are. Um, same with Easter. I've had people say, Easter comes from Aster, which was a the star, and it, it's a pagan thing. And yeah, used to be. Not now. It's ours. You know, I don't know how to celebrate something. Like Labor Day, I'm not really sure how to celebrate that. Uh, I understand the reason for it, and that's that's all cool, the history. But I don't do much for it. Other people do. Okay. Leave each other alone. Don't make God pull over this car and have to slap somebody. He goes then, why then do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. And are you ready? Deep breath. Verse 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on each other. Instead, make up your own mind not to put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Now, this is where we need to stop and talk. In the particular tribe in which I was raised, this was considered a trump card, a get-out-of-jail card, a way-to-get-your-way card. So, let us say that we're in an assembly, and somebody shows a little video about an upcoming event, and there's music playing behind it. Well, in my tribe, they did not use instruments. And you can bet there would be some of them going to the elders or the leaders or somebody there and complaining about this. And whenever an elder, if they had any spine at all, said, well, you know, the scripture does not preclude any of this. These are not salvation issues. They would say, Well, I'm upset. This is a stumbling block. You know, you are you are offending me. That is not the way this is used. Stumbling blocks were to behave in such a way that people stopped believing in Jesus. They left church. These people, if they leave, they're just going to cross the street to another one of the same tribe, same franchise, but one where the elders will do what they want them to do. They're just shopping for the franchise they like best. That's all. They don't lose their faith. That's. N- However, I have had a man once, young man, pray and break down in tears. And emotion was not shown in our churches. And he was roundly criticized because this was... You're bringing in Pentecostalism. You're bringing in emotionalism, and that's not what we are. And this, and he left, and he didn't go to another church. These self-righteous people who wanted to control what occurred inside of a building, and made that more important than any people on the planet, destroyed him. And I could use a lot of other illustrations about a lot of other ones. And I I joined in as a teenager and a young man. I thought that's what God wanted. To my shame, I found out otherwise. And I'm still learning. So if you quote me, date me. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean, unclean in itself. But if someone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it's unclean. But um, let's use let's use alcohol because that that would be a more contentious thing or uh, contemporary Christian music where they might do fog machines and long solos and it takes eight minutes per song. And that's really going to upset some people, but um, it's not unclean. But if you think it is, but you go along to get along, then you've got a problem. God wants your conscience to be good. So he actually doesn't mind if you say, I really can't take the music here. I feel like I need to go elsewhere. That's fine. It's when you stand up and demand that they do it your way. That's not fine. Or that after you leave, you talk bad about them. No. I have a lot of good friends who are worship ministers. I work with Misha, who's one. And Misha's one that does not do this, by the way. But I've worked with uh, worship ministers that'll hit that bridge and keep going. And uh, I'll kid them. And I'll say, you know, if you ever tried to cross from Covington, Kentucky, to Cincinnati, it'd take you an hour and a half because you have to keep repeating the bridge. We're friends, and that's fine. A lot of worship leaders are rather like exercise people. You know, little Mendy over there will say, three more. One, two, three, two more. We're going, no, no, we had an agreement. There were three. Where'd the two come from? Well, that's fine. It's funny. Don't be offended. And if it's something that gets in the way of your worship, it's all right to hug and love everybody and say, we're staying in touch, but we're just going to be over there. People have left my churches like that before. And we're still friends, decades later. It can work. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. That in isolation, that verse in isolation, uh, has caused some people to say, well then, if it would upset somebody, I can't do it. No, it's not. Let's use alcohol. All right. The Bible is very plain. Drunkenness is always wrong. Gluttony is always wrong. But if somebody wants to have a beer, glass of wine, if a uh, big occasion comes and they pour out a little bit of the sherry or the whiskey, are they sinning? No. There's nothing in Scripture that indicates that. And there's a great amount in Scripture that indicates that's just fine. Drunkenness? No. Celebration? Little partaking, fine. However, let's say that I know you're an alcoholic and we've invited you over for dinner. Opening up and setting beer out on the table, that would be wrong. Or what if you're not an alcoholic? You've never struggled with alcohol. In fact, you've never had a taste of alcohol and you don't think anybody else should either. If I know that about you and invite you to my house, I shouldn't put it out. If I go, I have the right to, you really don't. You've been baptized into Christ. You are dead and alive in Him. And now, to protect this friend that you've invited into your home, you will not put that out. They won't be in your house forever. If you feel like you need a drink later, well, what about? If we go to a pub and have a drink there right in front of people well that's a different thing by the way in the states than it is in breton because in breton everybody goes to the pub you know the priest will be drinking down there and the vicar's preach uh, drinking down there but those that don't drink go to the pub too because that's where all the crack is not what you're thinking crack is conversation c-r-a-i-c so the conversation and conviviality is and so you go there to get your sandwich and get some chips and french fries and and you you do that all right it's um it in america it's a little different you go to a go to some of these places and if it's just a pure bar no restaurant that could bother some people so i i would just say you know think about it make a decision you're not responsible for what everybody else thinks feels and you cannot get to this world without offending people even if you try hard going to happen so just try the best you can and don't flaunt it if you're a minister don't say you know a bunch of us were down at the bar the other day having a great on grand old time Uh, you can take this to such an extreme my parents would not let us go see movies and so i didn't see any of the disney movies the you know snow white and cinderella and all that and they would uh, they would say and in the pulpit this was a rule for our church as well you can't go because if you go in there to see cinderella let's see, they don't people out there might see you going in and think that it's all right then to go see r and x-rated movies that was the teaching they didn't blink they're serious don't do that don't misuse this passage he in fact look what he says therefore do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil so you're allowed then to, to say, listen, I know this may offend you, so I'm not going to do this in front of you, but I want to explain to you why I really believe that this is good and that it's fine. Uh, Bobby Valentine, who I've quoted a couple times, if you've not read his, his blogs, and he does long-form Facebook posts, and you can friend him on uh, Facebook, Bobby Valentine. He's a minister out in California now. Uh, good man, super wise, um, and he's done an extensive article on beer and wine in scripture that I think if you're on the on the bubble there, or you're over here thinking, no, 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 at least read that and see what scripture really says. Uh, he does a lot of great research, and we all benefit when he posts that. Al Maxey does that as well, uh, one of my favorite people, all time i've had so many like that and many of them have passed on so let's support the ones that are still here um therefore do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil for the kingdom of god is not a matter of eating and drinking but of righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit it's not a matter of did the guy doing a communion devotional say all the words right it's not a matter of it was a song appropriate it's not a matter of did the preacher wear a tie it's not a matter of any of that it is righteousness peace and joy because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval and again universal human approval doesn't exist but wide human approval I and mean, enough people support and have approval of our safe harbor and these classes that they send in a check to our post office box or they uh, and you can find all this on oursafeharbor.com or they download the app, which is a brilliant app. You just go to Tithely and download um, the app for Our Safe Harbor Church. Or they go, um, they, they'll they send via PayPal or via Tithely. Or somehow enough people have approved of this that we have now spread out to many nations. And it's just, well, fun. This is fun. Let us therefore, and let me check our time. Okay. Let us therefore. Make every effort to, le- to do what leads to peace and the mutu- mutual edification. Edification is a big church word. Think of edifice. That's a building. Edification is let us do everything we can to build each other up. I will not put I disagree comments on your social media timelines. But I will tell you congratulations when I see you do something, or I'll like that you took a pretty picture, uh, as often as I can. Um, you know, it, it's a big world out there, and I get busy. But if I reach out and put something on, it's going to be a positive. Uh, period, because that's what we do. It is amazing how many emails I get from people who really love what I'm doing or what our church is doing. And I'm not the church; it's two different things. I get that, and we're we're all out there doing stuff, and people love it. But just to protect themselves, they'll always be well, I don't always agree with what you say. And then they'll go on. You don't have to do that. Nobody agrees with everything I say. Not even me. So just build each other up. That's all. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All right. we're going to be very dangerous here. going to tell a story. Going to change up enough things that i hope nobody could ever identify all right the individual we were in scotland a man came over wanting to look you know look at scotland thought he might come over and be a minister that's fine uh, as far as i knew he was a good minister back in the states and because scotland was, is a very pretty place he took a lot of pictures now kids back in the day you had to get this petroleum product called film Uh, or in skull and film and you'd put it into a camera and you'd roll it in and you only had 24 12 or 36 pictures i i believe there were 48s on some of them but that you those people got the big crayola box too and and she'd take these and when you're done you had to take this little cylinder to a hobbit or something that lived in one of these tiny houses in the states a photomat and drop it off there and in a week or two weeks or whenever you'd get your pictures. Well, in Scotland, it was Boots, the chemist, the drugstore. And you would take it there and hand it over. And generally, within a couple of days, they would have it back. He, he didn't want to wait till he came stateside. He wanted to see his pictures because you didn't know if you got them back then. You know, today you hold up your, cam- your, your phone, you can see immediately if it's okay. But this, you couldn't tell until after they'd printed the pictures. So it might be a week later. So just to make sure he got the pictures, he put it in. Well, we went back a couple days later, and uh, the wee girl across the counter there handed it to him. Here's the price. He blew up. How? Did, this is too much. In America, we only pay this. And he just went on and on. The wee girl's just standing there paralyzed. I stood paralyzed for a moment, and then I just grabbed his belt and started walking backwards. Now he's a bigger man than I. I'm just five nine. You know, I'm no a big man. But um, pulled, he got around, and he rounded on me, goes, What? And I said, Congratulations for, and I got to make up a number here because I have no clue. I do not remember how much it was. So I'm just going to throw a dollar out there, right? For $25, you've made sure that I can never talk to that girl about Jesus because she's going to see me and think of you. And because of $25, you have put me in a position where she and I will never be able to be close. You frightened a person who didn't make the rule, who didn't set the prices, who only did what you asked her to do, look up your name and hand you the packet with the price. She fulfilled her side of this. You destroyed her for the price of pictures. I've seen people do that over car repairs. I've seen people do that over carpet installs. And I've seen way too many do that over what happens in an enclosed space for one hour once a week on Sunday. And God says directly here, do not destroy another person for these disputable matters. And if you start acting like they're not disputable, we're going to have to have a grammar lesson and you're not going to enjoy it. This is, this is, we've been insane. Love one another was the law. Where'd we lose that? All food is clean, but it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Got that. Don't offend other people if you don't have to. And if they're always offended about something, pull alongside them. Ease off on your freedom for a bit and help lead them to freedom in Christ. A lot of them will enjoy the trip. Some won't go, then you might need to be elsewhere. Uh, there, there are times to shake the dust off your feet and let God send somebody that better equipped to handle that situation. Uh, don't eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that'll cause your brother or sister to fall. And again, this is all in community. You're all in each other's face back then. So be considerate, that's what he's saying. So whatever you believe about these things, you ready? Keep them between yourself and God says so right there. <clears throat> verse 22 whatever you believe about these things keep them between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. In other words you're you're not going out there approving bad things but Paul's not going to define that. Really the only in the context the only way we can do this, is to approve things that are not loving. Things that are not kind. And way too many people want a preacher that will just give it to the sinners. Sorry, sorry, that's approving the wrong thing. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is of sin. Mm. Mm -mm. So what does it mean? Well, Martin Luther... Uh, not Martin Luther King Jr., those of you that aren't into history. This was a German reformer, very complex creature, a uh, lot of good and a lot of horrible things about Martin Luther. So in other words, he was human. He, uh, he was aware of his sinfulness, and he was aware, as C.S. Lewis put it later, that um, there is even more sinfulness in there than he realized, because most of us are not aware of all the sin that we're doing. Um, Some of us think we're doing the right thing when it's a sin. So, Martin Luther, in his prayers, would say, Lord, let me sin boldly. Now, what did that mean? It meant, even if I'm wrong, if I'm trying to serve you, let me do everything bold, with zeal, because no zeal was in here, too. With hope, that's in here, too. And if I'm wrong, the grace of God will cover me. Uh, Maybe somebody will show me that I'm wrong and I'll be able to change, but I don't want to walk around with doubt. Like, will this offend God? Is this okay? Is this all right? What do we do here? No, no, fear not, serve God boldly. And if you are afraid of something, don't do it. But you might want to gather information to see why other believers feel that they can do it. You might learn something that brings you more freedom. We will finish Paul's sermon, because this really is a sermon, and then hit the rest of the book next week. Hope you have a wonderful new year uh, and that you had a great Christmas. If you need us, reach out, patrick at rsafeharbor.com. And again, thank you for giving. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing. May God bless all of you.